Good evening, my renegades. Welcome back to Rogue Radio. My name is Sarah Jane, and yeah, we have a lot to cover. Something happened in Ohio, my home state, and I have to cover it because, Jesus, it is such a conspiracy theory, to me anyway, even even though, like, to be honest, the air could be toxic at the moment, but I, I don't know... Man, I still conspiracize. That's not a word. I know it's not a word. I still conspire shit all the time. I just can't help it. It's like a sixth sense, if that's even a thing. I'm questioning a lot today. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, feel free to reach me on the links down in the the description below. And we have merch. Please. I worked hard on that shit, man. Go buy yourself something nice. (laughs) So before I get into it, I just want to say that um, I'm not surprised at what's going on in East Palestine, Ohio. Um, just because Ohio has gotten a lot of shit lately. I mean, ever since Ohio was created as a state, I don't even know how that came to be. I don't know who the hell decided to name it Ohio. I don't know the history of my own state. But, um, Ohio's trash. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, Kid Rock even said that Ohio is like the armpit of America. And to be honest, I can't disagree (laughs) because I feel like Ohio is in in like the middle of like the biggest exports. I feel like because we have coal, we have fuel, we have oil, we have gasoline, we all of that. We have water filtration systems that have been contaminated years and years and years. Like it's still going on. And no one knows how to solve that. Uh, what else? Oh yeah, just a lot of toxic waste. Just a lot of toxic waste. And sorry, that is my new text tone. I am too lazy to vibrate my phone. Put it on vibrate. (laughs) On top of all that, we have a lot of farmland. So you could be driving through the city and then Within 15 minutes, you'll be in nothing but farmland. So we grow grain, corn, all of that. So we, we, we're in the middle of a lot of different businesses. Like, uh, so we have farmland and we also have a lot of fuel, uh, refineries as well. So it's not, um, surprising that what happened in East Palestine has happened. It is something that is a big concern just because um, of what they're going through. In my hometown, I think all of us know already what my hometown is. I've tried to keep it under wraps for a long time, but it is, it's Toledo. It's Toledo, Ohio. And um, so in my own hometown, we can't drink the water because a lot of the time there's so much algae in the lake and in the river that we uh, drink from that 
there's always like a water boil advisory and it's always going on so we have to drink bottled water it's kind of like flint michigan but a little less worse because flint michigan actually had what sulfur in their water so that was completely deadly <laughs> and um but yeah and then there have been actually sulfur emissions in the water uh which is terrible because we cook we shower and we drink from that water i personally don't but you know ever since the whole water boil advisory scare back in what 2015 i've just decided to not drink the water at all but anyway it i mean the bottom line is that ohio as a whole has seen its share of hardships <laughs> and i'm sure every state has gone through hardship but as far as like little accidents that turn into big ass catastrophes ohio is number one ohio is number one and um just keeps on going it really does so february 3rd there was a train derailment that happened in East Palestine, Ohio, and it was carrying a toxic chemical called vinyl chloride. And this spilled all over the ground, and instead of properly cleaning it up, just because I feel like if there's a way that you can clean it up without having any repercussions, like I know it's a toxic spill, but I felt like it was really not smart of the people who were handling this to make a controlled burn of this toxic chemical because they had to burn it. And because of that, phosgene, that's usually the chemical that comes out of burning this chemical and it, it was emitted into the air. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm already pissed. So there's a lot in, in motion right now um, as far as uh, what East Palestine is going through. Um, the governor has even said it's okay to drink the fucking water, which pisses me off because there are people who have filmed just throwing a rock into a stream nearby and you could see that uh, fluorescent coloring of what oil looks like when it hits water it makes all those colorful like little blobs it's in the water that chemical has entered the water and it has killed thousands and thousands of fish already so yeah I don't care what the fucking governor says don't fucking drink the water please don't that, that is the stupidest thing I have ever heard from anybody who is, like, high up in, like, not the government government. We'll get into that in a minute. But, like, Ohio government. Because I'm just like, y'all don't give a shit about us. Man, you really don't give a shit about us. You just want us to die. You want us to drink the water. You want us to cook with it and bathe with, bathe with it and all that shit. So, phosgene 
ends up escaping into the air, and that can be very deadly, and it can cause acid rain. And because it's already in the air, that condensation, since the clouds are supposed to make rain, of course, but since that chemical has um, contaminated that um, water, the condensation in the atmosphere, it's going to come down in acid rain, and then it's going to infect the ground. And then that whole cycle goes on and on and on until however chemicals wear out. I don't know if it ever will. But that can later on cause famine. And we already have farmers being paid off to burn all of their crops in order to just get money from the government and just to say that there's a food shortage. So that's happening. At the moment, as far as I know, this cloud of toxic gas has decided to travel south, not north. But the Midwest of Ohio is going to be affected because East Palestine is in the Midwest. And I'm kind of upset. I'm very upset. And I don't know how to explain how angry I am because I haven't even finished the whole story about what's going on. So apparently Biden will not assist East Palestine. Trump has decided to go ahead and help, which tells everyone about what his character is and what he stands for. He cares about the people. Biden would rather just jack off under the desk of the Oval Office to a child. And I'm not sorry that I said that. And here we have the most hated Republican going out to the most dangerous part of Ohio right now to help people. Fuck anybody who hates Trump. Like, fuck you. Seriously. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say fuck you, but listen, mm -mm, all you woke folk, mm -mm, fuck you. you. You really don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Not about Trump, but anyway. Now, I don't trust FEMA, but apparently FEMA has refused to go ahead and help East Palestine as well. Because they said, oh, well, it's not a, you know, traditional crisis like a tornado or a hurricane so we're not you know gonna we're not gonna use our resources in order to help people and to be honest i'm kind of thankful for that just because i know that fema is a corrupt motherfucking organization so fuck you fema fuck you up the ass with a cactus with no lube i really don't like you but i mean yeah, the people of East Palestine and in the Midwest close enough to that city are left to fend for themselves. So, I'm upset. I'm very upset. And someone told me on uh, one of my social media platforms to watch the movie White Noise, which I understand why they told me to watch it, because it is about... Ohio and the derailment and everything 
I don't remember when this was made. I just know that uh, it must have been before this happened. But it wasn't even mostly about the derailment. It was just all about how fear is perpetuated. And it's fine. I like the message of the movie, but it had nothing really much to do with the derailment. But I understand the person's concern and why they told me about it. But I, once again, it's, it's predictive programming. So, um, I have talked about the conspiracy behind all of this. And so I'm going to talk about it here because I haven't talked about it on my podcast yet. But, um, we all know what MK Ultra is. We all know what that is. It's mind control and it is not always internally inflicted upon like the patients who were injected with LSD okay we all know how that was formed but it's it's more than just that it's also perpetuating fear and famine and hurt and anger and hatred it, it's um it's kind of like psyops almost it's it's a physical, psychological, chemical, and emotional war right now. And, yeah. So biochemical ter- terrorism has been a textbook thing that the government has always used in order con- to, to control the masses. And it shouldn't be a surprise that this has happened because it's also happened in South Carolina and Texas. Where Texas, a train operator, has died. They died from the derailment. And there has also been a chemical fire in Michigan and also in Florida. Something happened chemically in Florida as well. So, all this stuff happening simultaneously, very close together, is not a coincidence. We all know. We all know that. But I do want to tell you something very interesting especially if you're not a bible believer (laughs) um they're trying to inflict the country into famine in order to bring about the one world order and yes i know i sound like a crazy bitch but i really don't care it doesn't matter what you believe it doesn't matter if you believe in god or not it This is how the world works. This is how it's always worked. This is how this has always been, no matter what you believe. Because you can dig into any type of conspiracy theory and you will find one thread of biblical truth in all of them, somehow. So, it does say in Revelation... That there will be the four horsemen, alright, pestilence, death, famine, um, war, and rumors of wars. Alright, and so, right now, we already had pestilence, and I think they're already still trying to perpetuate pestilence. Because we had COVID-19, we had Omicron, we had Delta, and we have the nanovirus now. And we also have other uh, illnesses, such as the bubonic plague being rumored 
to be out there along with some other um, illness that are that is attacking children um, topically like on the skin it's like an itchy red rash and it's very serious and um, so yeah there's a lot there's a lot that that's playing right now and like I said thousands of food processing plants are being burned down thousands of crops not just in Ohio are being burned down so if uh, you don't listen to me now I would suggest that you do stock up on your shit stock up on food stock up on water because at some point you are not going to be able to buy anything all right because they're trying to bring about a food shortage there have been videos upon videos that I have seen and I'm not I wasn't even looking at them I wasn't even like searching for them but they keep popping up Walmart Kroger Target all of these main stores all these grocery stores are all trying to follow a new protocol saying that we have to get ready for a food shortage which means they have to get ready for angry customers trying to loot shoot and everything so yeah I don't know it hasn't happened yet but I can guarantee you that it it will happen soon and I don't want to be right I truly don't want to be right, but I mean, seeing as, seeing the events right now going on, um, I don't, I don't, I don't see myself being wrong, but I really hope I am. Anyway, phosgene can cause cancer, liver cancer, um, any type of cancer, kidney cancer, if breathed in. So, if there wasn't an excuse good enough to wear a mask you have one now and I don't want to sit here and say you need to wear a mask I'm not gonna sit here and tell you to do that especially in East Palestine I don't know the safety precautions but I am saying they're trying to find the most dead set way in order for it to be mandatory to wear a mask again. I mean, that's another reason why I think this has happened. But all in all, my love goes out to the states that are suffering, the cities that are suffering right now. Do not be afraid. I stress this. The government wants you to be afraid. Think critically, please. If you need to wear a gas mask, Go ahead, only you know if you need to wear a gas mask. I'm not going to sit here and perpetuate mask fear and that agenda. I'm just saying, if the air is truly deadly, be smart and wear something around your nose and mouth. Okay. Um, do not drink the, wa the tap water. Please don't. Because that will hurt your immune system, it will break down your immune system, it will cause cancer. If the fish are dying, if the creatures in the water cannot live in the water, you can neither survive off of that water. Go to your store, 
get bottled water, anything but Dasani, because I swear to god Dasani's poison too. Make sure you stock up on food. I, you know, recommend canned food or packaged food, even though that has a lot of, like, calories in it and a lot of salt, but at least it lasts long enough. But that's what's going on right now in Ohio. That's what's going on in uh, all those other states that I listed in Michigan, Florida, South Carolina, and Texas. Um, they're all going through some shit. And I'm pretty sure that there are some other states that I have not listed that are going through a lot right now uh, with chemical spills or chemical fires or anything like that. So... My love goes out to you, but please be prepared. Think critically. Don't be scared. Okay, so next up is the Texas mall shooting that happened not too long ago. Very, very recently. So police in Texas said this week... That a 16-year-old suspected of uh, shooting three people at an El Paso mall was shot by a citizen who was legally carrying a firearm at the mall. Okay. I want to say something, but I'm not going to because I know lives were lost in this. But I really want to say it. Y'all already should know what I want to say. This is why we have guns. Citizen was smart enough to have one to carry and he was able to stop it. I know that that'll hit very different with some people and it's fine. But there's a reason why I believe in the right to bear arms, and this is one of the reasons, but... The suspect, a Hispanic male, is accused of killing 17-year-old, uh... Angeles Zaragoza, and wounding two others, a 20-year-old Hispanic male and a 17-year-old Hispanic male. According to police, the alleged shooter was shot by a 32-year-old Emmanuel Duran as he fled the scene. Wait... As soon as the shooting ended, the 16-year-old suspect began to run and was pointing the gun towards the direction of the bystanders, including 32-year-old Emmanuel Duran, a license-to-carry holder. As the suspect ran towards Duran and bystanders, Duran drew his handgun and shot the suspect, the El Paso Police Department said in a statement. After Duran shot the suspect... He and an off-duty police officer rendered aid to him before he was taken to police custody and transported to the hospital where he was in stable condition, police said. Duran, who was listed as a victim in the incident, has been um, cooperating with police, according to investigators. Um, The shooting took police Wednesday evening. I'm sorry. (laughs) The shooting took place Wednesday evening at a Shiloh Vista Mall in El Paso. Police said the 
violence was triggered after a confrontation between two groups at the food court. I want to know what the argument was. Seriously. I'm sure it had nothing to do with food and I'm not trying to be sarcastic or funny. I seriously want to know what the argument was that led to this guy pointing a gun and shooting people. One person is dead, so he, the likely charge will be more- will be- wow, will be murder. It's not, um, official, but that would be the appropriate charge. And the other suspects that were, uh, injured by gunfire, the appropriate charge would be aggravated assault. And again, until they are officially charged, um, he is a suspect. He told reporters. <sighs> Gomez said the incident was disturbing and the gun caused the killing uh, or caused in the killing was stolen. So it was a stolen gun um, that the gunman used. Wow. It, uh, it is always concerning when a 16 year old has a stolen handgun and fires a weapon inside of a crowded mall. It's very concerning. It's very disturbing, actually, he said. Another shooter at a mall was stopped by... Wait, there was another shooter? Dear God. Was stopped by a, by a citizen with a gun when 22-year-old um, Elisha Dickin shot a man who had attempted to shoot up an Indiana mall. Dickin... Um, using a 9mm Glock pistol, fired off um, 10 um, rounds, hitting the shooter 8 times in the span of 15 seconds and from a distance of about 40 yards away. Dickin was widely praised as a hero and police credited him with saving countless lives. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, I had to cover this one. Biden. Some white people still want to lynch black people. Yeah. You, you know what that that is? That's called the neo-Nazis and the KKK. You know. Which, to be honest, is a... Uh, I don't know, man. Technically, he's not wrong. But... It's a small group, and I understand they do violence and shit. I'm digging a hole for myself. Let me just fucking write this fucking article. President Joe Biden claimed during a White House movie screening this week that some white people still want to lynch black people. Okay, listen. Like I said, technically he's not wrong. If he's specifically talking about one group, like the KKK or like some sort of real white supremacist group, um, like the neo-Nazis and stuff like that. Like, I understand, like, if he was talking about something like that, but we all know bumbling Joe Biden will just say whatever the fuck he wants without having any repercussions or facts backing him up with that, like... He's just a dumbass. But... Mm. 
Oh, excuse me. I was trying to get that out before, <laughs> before I started recording. Listen, I had a hard day today. Well, it's not hard, but listen, I just... My body hates me right now. Anyway, Biden made remarks on Thursday during a screening of For Till, a film about Emmett Till, the 14-year-old black boy who was lynched in Mississippi of 1955. You know, folks, lynching is pure terror enforcing the lie that uh, not everyone belongs in America and not everyone is created equal, Biden said. Pure terror to some systematically undermined hard-fought civil rights. Innocent men, women, children hung by a noose from trees, bodies burned, drowned, and castrated. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Their crimes, trying to vote, trying to go to school, trying to own businesses, trying to preach the gospel, false false accusations of murder, arson, robbery, Biden claimed, lynched for simply being black. Nothing more, with white crowds and white families gathered to celebrate the spectacle, taking pictures of the bodies and mailing them as postcards. Wow. Hard to believe, but that's what was done. And some people still want to do that. Biden claimed. Like I said, I don't think the majority of people of white people want to do that. I think everyone, especially in my generation, like, we all believe that all men are created equal. But, I mean, if... I don't know. I understand why he said it, because he's talking about the movie and he's trying to compare it to now and everything. Like, I kind of understand his processing of it. But he still needs to kind of, like, be specific about it. Because there are certain groups of white supremacists that do exist. And I'm sure that everybody knows that. But, um, yeah. And that's the whole art article. So, yeah, let's find some more fun stuff to read, please. It is time for a break, people. many of you know since you've been here for a long time I don't like women I don't like a lot of women um, just because they're judgy and shit and they're just awful and to be honest they're probably going to say the same thing about me I just I can't with some women um, it, it just takes a very real talking badass bitch uh, for me to be friends with I, I, that's just me. Um, I have friends. I introduced you to one of my best friends. 
on uh, Let's Talk, which I still think is funny to this day, even though it's been like, what, two days? Listen, we had the best time having that drunk talk. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it just takes a very mature woman to kind of like win my heart. Like, I want to be best friends with someone who is mature enough to be honest with me and not like stab me in the back and stuff. So that's why I picked this article. So let's get to it. Three signs that it might be time to cut off a friend. So, not all friendships are designed to last a lifetime. A friend who's worth your time and energy won't react negatively or passive-aggressively whenever you have good news. They will care about how you're doing instead of being completely self-absorbed, and they'll allow you the space you need to be your authentic self. Many people come to therapy wondering if a certain friendship is worth um, continuing. They ask questions like, do, do I deserve better, or am I being too demanding, or am I not sure, or I'm not sure um, I feel all that great when spending time with her. If you find yourself in a similar situation, know that you are not alone. It's common for individuals to recess their friendships. It's common for us to spend time with people even uh, when our better judgment tells us not to. It's also common for friendships to drift away and then return as our life uh, circumstances change. If you feel that a friendship is soaring to the point that, um, I'm sorry, souring, uh, to the point that is no longer serving your mental health priorities, here are three ways to fact check your uh, read on the situation. This is from Psychology Today. Most of my psychology articles that I read comes from this website, and I love this website. I read it for fun sometimes. I'm a nerd. I'm a dork. I just... I love the mind. There's so much that goes into it. It's one of the reasons why I'm in the occupation that I am. Because the mind is so deep and mysterious and beautiful. It's nuts. I love it. Anyway. <laughs> one. How do they, do they react when you share exciting news with them? The reaction of the close friends upon hearing your good news can reveal a lot about your ability to maintain healthy relationships. Some friends may be genuinely happy for you, while others may react with envy or negativity. Friends who consistently react with negativity or show little excitement when you share happy news are probably not good for you psychological for yourself. <laughs> They're not good for you psychologically. And I feel like a lot of us have had a friend like that. And to be honest, when I was depressed, I probably was that friend. And I'm ashamed to say it because, I mean, it takes a bitch to know what a bitch is. <laughs> it sounds terrible. But it's true because, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that I was the perfect friend. 
because I'm pretty sure that I have been toxic at times. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've also had toxic friends who have reacted negatively in my life. Like, when I ended up going into cosmetology, a certain friend just whined and wanted to hang out with me all of the time. And I was like, I can't. I can't because I have to make up all these hours. I have to make sure that all of my assignments are due. I have to make sure I take pictures of the hairdos and the haircuts that I did and send them to my teacher. That's what I have to do. Usually when I was in uh, Paul Mitchell, um, I ended up having the whole week planned out and I never really had much time for friends. And she just was so insulted uh, about that. And I was like, listen, I it's not... <sighs> It's not you. It's just how my life is right now. And if they can't, if you're in that certain situation or um, have been in that situation, you shouldn't feel bad about bettering your life, especially when you put yourself into college or you put yourself into school because that's really brave for anybody to do because you're not just... Um, being brave enough to make something of yourself and love yourself, but it's also sometimes you're risking your financial stability sometimes because you have to take out grants and loans and stuff like that, and then you're in debt, and that's not pretty. It's not good, but I mean, kudos to anybody who's ever tried to go to college or is going to college or is trying to get into college. Like, kudos. I love you. And if you don't, I mean, sometimes college is not, you know, I don't know where the fuck am I going? Listen, let me, let me finish my point. <laughs> then I'll go back. I don't know where the fuck this went. Oh my God. I must be annoying to my listeners sometimes. I swear to God. Anyway, no. Um, sometimes college isn't for everybody. And I learned that cosmetology wasn't right for me so I ended up changing my field into um, you know becoming a, a recovery coach for mental health so I understand <laughs> if people don't want to go to college that's fine um, but I mean if you're on the grind every day and you're working your ass off to do something and make something of yourself God bless you I love every single one of y'all Seriously. <laughs> um, it's important to have friends who support and uplift you rather than bring you down. I have learned that, I don't know, as I've grown older, I take joy in people's success. I love that. Like, if someone in my family or someone in my, my friends group is pregnant, I'm like, yes! So, what are, what are their names? What do you help for? A boy or a girl? Um, can I help you plan the gender reveal party? Or can I help you throw the baby shower? Like, what's the theme? What's this? What, what's that? What, what do you need from me? You know, I... It has become a thing where I've taken joy, emotional joy, in other people's success or other people's 
you know, life. And it's, I don't know why. I just love my friends. I love my family and I love to love on them when they do good things, when they end up being so successful. And I love that. I just love, I love my people. (laughs) But surrounding yourself with positive people who celebrate your success and offer a shoulder to lean on during tough times is crucial for personal growth and happiness. A good friend should be there to share in your joy and help you navigate life's challenges. That doesn't mean you need to cut off everyone who doesn't respond with positivity to each of your successes. We're all human and we all have bad days. However, if you notice a pattern of passive aggression or um, indirect hostility, it may be time to reassess your relationship with this person. Number two, do they ask about you or do they, or are they absorbed in themselves only? So this may be a Toledo thing. I don't know. Me, as much as I love to take joy in other people's joy and I want to celebrate them, I'm going to admit it. Sometimes it's hard to keep up with my people. I, I, I'm being transparent here. Um, personally, I don't usually reach out to my friends. And that's just because I think it's a big habit for me. Because I'm not going to sit here and blame past me for bad habits. This is something that I just have to learn as I grow as a person that sometimes my friends want to hear from me and I don't let them hear from me you know what I mean like has nothing to do with any insecurity I'm just the type of person where I know I'm wanted when someone says that they want me like I want to spend time with me um that's just me and I know it's it, that might be toxic to be honest to where I let the person come to me whenever they need me and um sometimes I don't reach out and it has nothing to do with like me not being not wanting to be there, it I don't know, it's 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 a weird feeling. It's just I know when I'm wanted when someone says that they want me in their life. And uh if they don't, then I'm just like, okay, I'm still happy for them, I love them, you know. Um, but they'll let me know when they need me, you know? And uh so that can also go the same way. I know some other people might have the same type of mentality where my friends might actually say the same thing. Well, if Sarah needs me, then she'll let me know. You know, stuff like that. So, uh, it can go either way. So, I... This is advice for me, too. Like, if you haven't heard from one of your dear friends, go ahead and reach out to them. I need to do that, too. But, 
Healthy relationships require some give and take. A friend who is always talking about themselves and never asks about you might dull uh, your sparkle. One-sided relationships can be draining and can lead to feelings of neglect. Uh, on the other hand, friends who show a genuine interest in your life and ask about you regularly are precious. This type of two-way communication is key to building trust and mutual respect in a relationship or a friendship. Um, a good friend will always make an effort to understand your perspective and be there to listen to your concerns, as opposed to one-sided friendships that can leave you feeling unheard and unvalued or undervalued. Yeah. Do you feel like your most authentic self around them? So this is number three. And before we get into it, um, I don't know why this is a thing with women uh, specifically, but a lot of women feel like they have to put on this fake facade in order to prep it to impress other women and I don't understand why um I have always been this very blunt and honest person and yeah um that can also be a toxic trait because some people don't react to my honesty in the way that I would like you know I don't mean it to hurt their feelings, it's just me. I just believe that, you know, my family has always put up a front with not just people outside of the family, but with each other. And I'm just like, I'm done with the bullshit. Like, just tell me what you think. And I think that kind of intimidates some people to where, okay, Sarah's just gonna tell you straight up how she feels about you and she's not going to give a shit. I mean, it, it's not that. It's just how I operate from surviving that fakery for so long. That's just how I operate. But, yes. But women, in general, uh, they feel like they have to put up a front. And sometimes women who put up a front don't feel their authentic selves around their other friends because oh what if she thinks I'm weird I think this girl is so cool so I have to you know make sure she doesn't know that I'm you know a weeaboo or an anime freak you know she might think that I'm crazy <laughs> sort of stuff but it's important to surround yourself with people who accept and support you for who you are if you feel like you have to hide or change aspects of yourself to fit in with a certain friend, it might become, or it might be time to reevaluate that friendship. Um, Petra Kipfelsberger. Wow, that's an interesting last name. Uh, the, the lead author of a recent study um, on authenticity urges us to be more authentic by doing things that encourage the following three behaviors. Reducing self-alienation, rejecting the subjective experience of being out of touch with oneself or not knowing oneself. Increasing authentic living, being or be having 
uh, I'm sorry, what the fuck, <laughs> behaving uh, in ways that are true to one's core self in most situations, rejecting external influences, um, so not being driven to the desire to conform to others' expectations and instead following one's own values and beliefs. Friends who support you in your authenticity journey are worth uh, their weight in gold. Friends who don't may not be worth your time and energy. Yep, all of that is very true. Ooh, I've got another one. <laughs> I just found another one, but next section. So, the next article is how to deal with invisible forms of grief. So, I don't think I've ever um, expressed this with... Uh, I have expressed this with like my family and friends, but I don't think I've ever expressed this with my peeps, my podcast audience. Um, so... I don't process grief very well. I don't know why. Um, not sure why at all. Um, I mean, I could go into detail on like how it all started and why I think it happened, but I'm not gonna sit here and tell you a whole sob story about all the people that I lost because I'm not special in that category. Everybody has lost someone at some point or is in the process of lo losing someone in my heart truly goes out to everybody who's lost or has or is in the process of losing somebody who is sick or you know dying so and grief doesn't always have to be about death it can also just be about relationships that ended such as like friendships or previous romantic relationships and stuff like that so um my way of grieving, I think, I mean, it's almost non-existent. I'm not sure why. Um, I won't say that I don't cry, because I do. I think everybody does at some point. Um, I deal with grief in different ways. Um, but yes, I do cry, especially when someone dear to me has died and stuff like that. But I don't show as much emotion as everyone else around me and it kind of makes me feel like um I'm crazy <laughs> and that's the only time that I'll just kind of like internally judge myself and say why aren't I being as expressive as everybody else like didn't I love this person and all this stuff but I, everybody processes grief in a different way, and I think mine is just distracting myself from the grief by all of my creative outlets. Um, I paint, I write, I sing, work out, dance, all of that. So all of that can like play in into how I deal with grief. And then, the, yeah, there are some times when I end up sitting down and thinking about my papa 
and I end up crying because it's like I never had the time to process that grief until I stopped and started doing nothing and I'm like oh shit <laughs> like I don't want to be this person I don't want to be this person who's sad and depressed and upset about losing someone but it's normal it's normal to feel that way and I have to allow myself to feel that emotion because I'm allowed to feel that emotion there's a reason why I feel those feelings and I'm allowed to feel them but I don't know it's it's weird but yeah um yeah that's just how I process grief is just distracting myself you know but anyway let's let's get into this how to deal with invisible forms of grief there are many ways uh, we lose people we love not all of them come with closure yeah yeah humans crave information and closure with the loss of a loved one when we do not get it we either experience um, ambiguous loss. Ambiguous loss can be invisible to onlookers and may therefore go unacknowledged, leading to, to isolation and frozen grief. Interesting. Channeling your negative emotions towards a cause can help you leave your grief behind and create a sense of purpose from the loss. Many people have come to therapy when they are nursing a com complex forms of grief that they may not know how to heal or deal with. Um, this manifests itself in questions like, I wish people knew what it was like to be estranged from my brother. How do I process this when I am being told to reconnect with him every two seconds? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, when my best friend got addicted to drugs, I lost... Not just her, but a big piece of my childhood. How do I move on? Sometimes when a person leaves without explanation, it's like a wound that never will close. How do I begin to heal? Yeah. Humans crave information and closure, especially when it pertains to the loss of a loved one. When we do not get either we experience... I'm sorry, when... When we do not get either, okay, yeah, uh, we experience an ambiguous loss. The first step is to, to resolving the grief created by ambiguous loss is to learn how to identify it. According to Dr. Pauline Boss, who was first who first coined the term in the 1970s, an ambiguous loss falls into the following two categories. One, physical absence of psychological presence. Wow, okay. This type of ambiguous loss describes situations in such in which uh, someone has little to no information or closure about their person they lost. Um, even though this person is no longer physically present, they still feel psychologically close.
This type of loss is difficult to move past because one hasn't, uh, on a physical level, accepted the loss, okay. Give me a minute, my nose itches. Examples of these types of losses include unexplained disappearances, kidnappings, death in war and genocide, uh, deportation and natural disasters. What? Okay. This type of loss can uh, exact a heavy mental toll when we know what happened to the other person. The leap from regular interactions to zero contact may proved to be too big for our minds to take. Divorce, adoption, incarceration, and estrangement, and some other examples of this kind of loss. The recent study also puts being ghosted or facing a complete withdrawal of communication from one's partner um, in this category of ambiguous loss. Uh-huh. Yep. Category 2, physical presence with psychological absence. So, this form of ambiguous loss is a psychological loss. One experience, uh, I'm sorry, hang on. Um, one experiences this loss when one's idea or image of someone uh, ceases to exist in some cases. Someone's personality changes so much that they are unrecognizable to us, like in the case of an addiction or dementia. In other cases, there is the death of a dream, um, the imaginary expectation you had of now someone will be. The trauma caused by this type of ambiguous loss can be particularly heavy because there are limited ways to grieve publicly for it. Uh, for instance, there are no funerals or services to mourn the passing of a version of the person inside of your head. True. Dealing with ambiguous loss uh, can be visible or invisible to onlookers and may therefore go unacknowledged, um, leading to isolation and frozen grief. Um, if you are experiencing or having experienced, um, ambiguous loss, here are some ways to process it. Find a way to acknowledge or honor the loss. While not everyone may understand where you are coming from, it is nevertheless important to acknowledge the gravity and costs um, of the loss in some way. Talk to a trusted loved one or mental health practitioner. This will take, or this will make sure that your loss is not dismissed or misunderstood. Yeah, so, like I said, I end up trying to find creative ways to deal with my grief, or at least that's what I'm trying to figure out if that's actually what I do. So, at some point after my papa died, um, I wrote a song about him. And 
Um, every time I sing it, I end up crying. So that's probably that one access point to where I can like deal with my own grief. And because it, my papa used to sing and play his guitar all the time. And I ended up doing the same thing for him that he used to do for me. And that that's my way of grieving. At least I think so. But be self-compassionate. The only person that truly understands the magnitude of your loss is you. Research explains that being compassionate with yourself and reminding I mean, remaining mindful of the triggers can save you a great deal of heartache. Uh, number three is join a cause. The ambiguous loss of losing a friend to an addiction or a family member to dementia can prolong your grief and anger. Research explains that channeling your negative emotions towards a cause like rehabilitation efforts or dementia awareness can help you leave your grief is a purpose from the loss. So, this next one is also from Psychology Today. And this one is about the four things that we cannot control and need to let go of. So, personally, I have no control over how people think of me. And I know that I probably put up this facade that I don't care what people think of me. But everybody does to some extent. We try our best not to give a fuck. But uh, I actually do give a fuck. Um... I care about what my listeners think of me. I care about what my friends and my family think of me. Um, sometimes I care about what certain other people outside of that uh, think of me, like my coworkers and stuff like that. So, but I can't control that. I can't control their feelings towards me. So I understand that. And, uh, so if you have ever met me, which I don't think anybody has, like, in person, none of my listeners or my friends in the podcast, but uh, if you ever meet me in person, like physically in person, if I shake your hand and we end up having a conversation, you will know that I am a different person than I am on air. Um, and that's just because when I'm on air, I'm able to be my most authentic self because I'm expressing everything that I have either pent up for the whole week or, you know, I've just expressed frustration over what's going on in the world, and that's just me. Um, I have come from a family where, you know, expression of feelings and stuff like that makes you, makes you look dramatic. Um, and I'm not going to be 
sitting here and talking about my family life either, but um, there's reasons why I am the way I am right now. <laughs> Let's just say that. And um, so yeah, if you ever meet me in person, I am very quiet, I'm very shy, and I am very, uh, I wouldn't say hard to get to know, because if you actually sit down and talk with me and have a good conversation and it will take a while for you to open me up and try to understand why I am the way I am and all my socially awkwardness like my my social skills are another language in itself that a lot of people have to decode <laughs> because people have told me that I'm unapproachable and rude sometimes when they first meet me and I'm like that's not <laughs> that's not what I want people to to see you know what I mean and I'm really sorry about that <laughs> um but I can't control how people see me I can't control how people feel about me especially when it comes to the first impressions uh, I know first impressions are very important um, yeah, I, I don't know, <laughs> uh, but I am, I'm very shy and a lot of the time when I'm in a group of friends or in a group of people that talk and they're talking to each other, it takes me a very long time to form a reply. And that's just because I'm processing the information slower than other people. Because some people can just rattle off their mouth and say whatever they like and have a very, you know, have very good charisma in a conversation. But me, I'm like, I'm more of a listener in real life, but I'm a talker on here. So there's, I guess there's just places and times where I'm social and when I'm not. But... Yeah, but no, I am a completely different person when it comes to real life and being on the podcast. That's just me. Um, I'm socially awkward, and I think my awkwardness is my own worst enemy, you know? So, but because of my socially awkward self that comes off as rude and unapproachable and unfriendly, and I'm, I don't mean it, seriously. <laughs> I love people. Um, it's talking to people that's the biggest challenge. But, um, yeah. But I can't control how people feel. I can't control how you feel about me. Um, I wish I could because I want to show people that I am a, a good person to talk to or something like that. But like I said, one of my social languages just like everybody has a love language, I believe everybody has a social language as well. You have to spend time with me in a conversation one-on-one -on -one in order to get to know my mannerisms and in order to get to know me. That's just me. But, yeah. But for me, it's I can't control how people think of me, first impression-wise. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, what do you spend most of your time worrying about or fixated on? My guess is that you worry about the future and uncertainty that life brings. 
the things that we have little to no control over. For me, I used to be consumed with worries about life, milestones, and other people's perceptions of me. <laughs> uh, we would obsess, or I would obsess, um, over and spiral in my thoughts, thinking about the what-ifs and the worst-case scenarios that I could avoid or somehow change and manipulate. Of course, this approach was not very uh, helpful because of the things I would worry about were either A, almost always impossible to, pre to predict or plan, or B, um, things that I uh, could not directly influence, or both. So, number one, you cannot control the future. So, many of us struggle with the uncertainty of the future. We want to know when, where, and how things will happen. Uh, we make plans and want to see them through and in the exact way um, we had envisioned them. But as much as we try, we cannot always plan for the exact timing of things and why they will unfold. Life happens and there is uh, there are external factors that make it impossible for us to have complete uh, certainty over the future. Whether it is a good, a global pandemic, Lord, losing a job or a family member becoming sick, sometimes we must pivot and make things as, or take things as they come. Um, this isn't to say that our goals and pursuits are not worth pursuing, but we need to practice having more cognitive flexibility, a mental shift that encourages us to be more open to the fluidity of life and timing. Additionally, while we might not know what the future holds or what tomorrow brings, we do know that in this very moment, we are breathing and alive and there are things we do have control over. Uh, the things we can do to make or to take care of ourselves and cope with the uncertainty. Number two, she can't control the past. If the next one is present, I'm going to get upset and probably punch the phone because there's a lot of other things that we can't control that the past, present, and future we can't necessarily control on a daily basis, bro. This is a given. Give me something that surprises me. But while this uh, one may seem obvious, of course, um, being that the past is literally in the past, we tend to uh, vicariously, vicariously cling to the past. Uh, when thinking about our past, we tend to focus on the things that we could have done differently um, or try to find a why, whether it is replaying a conversation over and over again in your head, um, trying to make meaning of significant life events, or simply thinking about how life used to be. It's hard for us to let go, and while it is healthy for normal, for healthy and normal to engage in self-reflection and grieve and learn how uh, learn from our past experiences there is a difference between being reflective or nostalgic and being consumed or obsessed with the past 
So, trying, try grounding yourself in the present moment. Notice your current environment and surroundings and remind yourself of the things you are grateful for and the people you have in your life right now. Yeah. Have you guys ever had just a good day and all of a sudden a traumatic thought from your past just pops up and tries to ruin your day? Yeah. Yeah, that that's I think that's a lot of people. <laughs> Um, number three, what other people are thinking and feeling. Hey, now we get to talk about this, even though I talked about it in the beginning. Swear to God I didn't pre-read this. We focus way too much on the internal processes of others. The fixation on what other people are thinking and feeling is typically related to our own insecurities and need for external validation. Uh, the worry about how other people perceive us, uh, whether they like us or not, and their judgment and options, or opinions. Um, as a result, we jump to conclusions and make assumptions, um, oftentimes going off uh, every limited information, like a facial expression or our own past experiences and trauma, which can cause distress. Think about how many times you have um, interpreted a text as someone being mad at you or attributing another person's bad mood to something you said or did, and without any true evidence of this. In reality, we cannot read minds and we cannot control the perceptions of others. We can control our own internal processes, though. So if you notice yourself consumed by the thoughts about other people, ask yourself, how helpful is it for me to spend time worrying about this person and what's going on in, your head, in their head? How much control do I actually have over what this person is thinking or feeling? None. None. <laughs> or if you find yourself obsessing over being liked or... Uh, seen in, fav in a favorable light by other people or another person. Focus on how you view yourself. Ask yourself, do I like me? Do you think you are a good person? And if the answer is no, what are some things that you can do to be the best version of you? At the end of the day, the longest and most meaningful relationship we have uh, that we'll ever have in our lives is the relationship with ourselves. Very true. Man. Okay, that hit home and I'm kind of mad about it. <laughs> Number four is other people's actions and life choices. Oh, man, that one's, that one's another one. I... We can become overly invested in the decisions of others, especially the decisions of the people we love and care for the most. We find ourselves worrying about and or worrying about a loved one's lifestyle and habits, their relationship patterns or even their belief system and personal values. Others or no, whether it's disliking the partner or relationship of a close friend or having a difficult time interacting with um, apparent because of their opposing political beliefs or stances, um, 
the life choices and preferences of others are typically things we cannot control while we can always try to um, try to have a respectful conversation and express our concerns. It is important to remember that we cannot impose our own beliefs and expectations onto others. Accepting others as they are is a crucial thing for our own mental well-being. Yep. I think I am going to call it a night, Renegades. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you in the trenches next time. Um, so yes, have a good night. Have a good morning, midday, wherever you're at. Love you so much. See ya.